What's going on, Military Cash Flow family? Today, we're doing a deep dive into the Thrift Savings Plan, otherwise known as the TSP. Now, this is part two in the Military Fire series, where we are giving you all the tools that you need in order to build a comprehensive financial independence retire early plan, otherwise known as FIRE plan. All right, so let's go ahead and get into today's agenda. So last week, we covered Military Fire, what it is, the levels of fire, common assets that make up the military fire. And then also we went over America by the numbers where we went over um, net worth and um, retirement assets by age so that you can see how you stack up to it. And then some questions that you can ask yourself as you can. If you missed that episode, make sure you go back and watch that episode so you can help build your financial independence retire early plan. All right. So today's agenda, what we're going over is the thrift savings plan. What we're going to be covering is the key facts six funds in the TSP, the fund historical averages as of December 2022, uh, example scenarios where we'll pretty much give you three different scenarios on three different service members when they started investing, what times and what they ended up with at the end. And then also some of the pros and cons of the TSP. All right, so let's start it off with the key facts. So the TSP is a retirement savings and investment plan for federal employees and uniformed service members. You can contribute this money two ways. You can contribute it in the traditional account where you are deferring your taxes until later when you withdraw them. So all the money that you input goes in tax-free. And then when you withdraw the money, you have to withdraw that based on your tax bracket, your marginal tax bracket when you withdraw those funds or you can um, invest in the Roth. And the Roth is a little bit more popular right now because you invest, although you invest those dollars post-tax, meaning you've already paid taxes on those dollars, right? When you withdraw them, it's tax-free. So the growth within the plan, and then also when you withdraw them, that's all tax-free. So these are two different types of plan. You got the traditional and you got the Roth. And then we got the withdrawal age is 59 and a half. And if you withdraw before 59 and a half, you're subject to a 10% penalty. Now let's go over some of the contribution limits, all right? So the uh, 2023, everything that I'm gonna give you right now is all based off of 2023. And then also everything I'm giving you is coming directly from tsp.gov. If you wanna find out some more information, make sure you click the link below. Um, it, it'll give you pretty much everything I've went over in even more in detail on some specific instances, all right? So the, um, the contribution limits for 2023 um, for those of you that are under 50 years old is $22,000. And then if you're over 50 years old, you can do a catch-up contribution limit um, of $30,000. So you can contribute up to $30,000 if you're over 50. If you're under 50, you can contribute up to $22,500. Now, this does not include the automatic or matching contributions you receive from the government. So this is actually only your individual contribution that these are the max limits of your individual contribution. All right. So I'm going to be going over a little bit into the different types of contribution that makes up your total TSP contribution here in a second. But let's go over to the annual addition limit. All right. So we have the maximum amount for uh, 2023 is $66,000. And this does include your automatic contribution, your matching contribution, your and your individual contributions, all right? Now, I know you're thinking, $66,000, how do I even get to that, right? How can I invest $66,000 into my TSP? Well, 
let's go right into the combat contributions, right? So the combat con contributions, for those of you who've deployed, you probably already know this, um, you can contribute up to 100% of your of your base pay and any other other incentives, not including BAH, uh, that you receive while you're while you're deployed. And you can uh, if you're in a combat zone, excuse me, and you can invest for 2023 up to $66,000. Now, there's no taxes on those contributions. There's no taxes on those gains and there's no taxes on the, those withdrawals uh, when you invest those funds. All right. So. Those are the contribution limits, and that's how you can hit that $66,000 um, if you are deployed in a combat uh, environment. Now, let's go to the loans. A lot of people talk about the loans and how, how they work and what you can do with them. So here's just some general some general guidance, all right? So with the loan limits, uh, you can take out a loan between $1,000 and $50,000. Now, if you don't have $50,000 in your account, then you can't take out $50,000. As as far as that maximum is, maximum is concerned, you can take out up to half of what's in your account, um, or fifty thousand dollars, whichever is the the lesser of those amounts. So if I have fifty thousand dollars in my TSP uh, TSP account and I want to take out a loan, I can only take up to twenty five thousand dollars, right? Or if I have a hundred thousand dollars, or if I have two hundred thousand dollars, excuse me, I I can only take up to fifty thousand dollars. All right. So um, now there's two types of loans you can take. You can take the residential or the general purpose loan. The general purpose loan, you have a five year repayment. Uh, you have a five year repayment and the loan can be taken out for any reason. And then the residential loan, you have a 15 year repayment. Now, those have to be for qualified residential residences. They can't be for any land or any investment properties. They have to be specifically for a uh, home which you intend to occupy. All right, you have a 15 year repayment program, 15 year repayment, and uh, those loans, like I said, can be for your primary residence. Now, when you pay those loans back, those loans are getting paid back into your traditional um, TSP, not your Roth TSP. They're getting paid back into your traditional TSP, and they are paid at the, the rate of the G fund the month prior that you took that loan out. Now, the G fund, I'll go over the, the annual returns of the G fund. Uh, but they're pretty they're pretty small. They're like point. They're usually about less than a percent. So that's what you're paying it back. And you're paying it directly back into your TSP account and um, paying it directly back into your TSP account at that whatever the rate of that G fund was at that time. So there you go for loans. Now, let me go over the contribution limits and how they work. This is uh, specifically for the blended retirement folks. For those legacy guys, you're not getting any, any matches. So you got three different types of contributions that make up your total TSP contribution for the blended retirement people. So you have your individual contribution, and that's the contribution that, that that's the money that you put in specifically, right? That comes out of your paycheck, right? Then you have the agency automatic contribution. I'm just going to call it the automatic contribution. That 1% goes in your account regardless of how much you invest uh, into your TSP, how much you elect to invest. And then you have the agency matching contribution. Um, and I'm just going to call that the matching contribution. And that's going to be based off of how much you individually contribute. 
So we got the individual contribution, the automatic contribution, and then the matching contribution. And those three contributions make up your total contribution. So it gets a little funky on the agency matching, on the matching contribution side, but let me just go ahead and give you some scenarios. So if you're looking at this on YouTube, you see the chart here and it makes and it makes sense. Um, but if you're listening to this in podcast land, I'm going to try to break this down. So hopefully uh, you can get an idea of what I mean by the matching contribution side. So if I am an individual and I've been in the, the military uh, and I'm in the military and I'm investing uh, 0%. I elect 0% to go into my TSP. Well, guess what? I'm automatically going to get the agency automatic contribution of 1%. All right? So the individual is going to be 0%. Automatic contribution is going to be 1%. And then the matching contribution, obviously, is going to be 0%. And that brings me to a grand total of 1%. Right? So even if I don't put any money into my TSP account, I'm automatically getting a 1% automatic contribution. Now, in order to get any of those automatic contribution, you must be vested. And if you are a um, if you are a military service member, then you need to be in the military for two years in order to keep all those automatic contributions. All right, so that's your vesting period: two years to keep all the automatic contributions. If you choose to to uh, contribute four percent as an individual, you elect four percent contribution. Well, you're going to get the one percent agency automatic contribution, and then you're going to get three point five percent of the matching contribution, bringing your grand total to eight point five uh, for your monthly contribution. All right, and then obviously, if you put in five percent, um, if you elect to contribute five percent of your income. You're going to get the automatic contribution of 1%. You'll get an agency matching contribution of 4%, bringing your grand total to 10% contribution. So I just want to reiterate, your individual contribution is going into whichever one you elect, whether it's traditional or Roth. So let's say you elect the Roth account, right? So if you put, if you elect 5% to go into your Roth account, the other 5% is going into the traditional because all of your agency contributions, whether it's automatic or matching, those are going into your traditional TSP. So you're going to have a mix, a 50-50 split, assuming you're only putting 5% into your TSP. All right, so let's go ahead and get into the six different types of TSP funds. All right, we have the C fund, which is a common stock fund. We have the S fund, which is a small cap fund. The I fund, which is the international fund. The F fund, what is the fixed income index fund? And then we got the G fund, which is the government securities fund. And then also the L fund, which is the life cycle fund. All right. Now let's give you a little bit of information about each one of these. So the C fund, that common stock fund, uh, it's comprised of large and medium sized U.S. companies. Uh, and it's basically modeling the S&P 500. And then we have these S fund or the small cap fund, and that's comprised of small to medium U.S. companies. And it's basically that is basically uh, modeled after the uh, Dow Jones TSM index. And then we have the I fund, the international uh, stock fund, and that's contained of uh, international stocks from from more than 20 developed countries. And that is tracking the that's basically modeled off of the. EAFE stock index, and that stands for the uh, Europe, Australia, and Far East uh, stock index. It's basically an international fund, just like it says. And then we have the fixed income index funds, 
And that is the uh, fund containing government, corporate, and asset-backed bonds. And that's based off of the uh, Bar uh, Barclays Aggregate Bond Index. And then we have the G Fund. The G Fund is a, is a government securities that's specifically issued to the TSP. And we'll go over what each of these, um, the historical averages of these, and it'll, it'll kind of make sense once I go over that on the next slide. All right, now let's go ahead and get into the life cycle fund. Now the life cycle fund is a collection of all the other funds, the GSI, F, and G fund, and it's structured in a way to be conservative at, be more conservative as you get closer to retirement. So if you can see this picture on the screen, you'll see um, this is the life cycle 2060 fund. And in 2024, when this person is younger, they're more heavily invested into aggressive accounts, meaning the CSI and the CSNI account. And they basically have nothing in the G fund and almost nothing in the F fund. But as they get closer to retirement, as they get closer to 2060, they become more invested into the G and the F fund, meaning they become more and more conservative. So they start off aggressive and then they become conservative as you get closer to retirement. And what that's for is a way for you to preserve your wealth so that you don't have to deal with so many of the ups and downs of the stock market fluctuations as you get closer to retirement. What's going on, family? Johnny Lyndon here, the military CEO. Mike and Dan said it would be cool if I share my new report with you guys. The seven mistakes that veterans make that prevent you from building a multi-million dollar real estate portfolio. I've been fortunate enough to build over a $10 million real estate portfolio all while being on active duty, and I made some mistakes along the way. So I want to share those mistakes with you guys. So guess what? You don't make the same mistakes. So go to my website, download the report, johnnylinum.com slash mistakes, or click on the link in the show notes, get the report, and let's go make some equity happen. Let's go. All right. So now that you know the different types of funds that you can invest into, let's get into the performance of those funds. All right, so let's start with the G fund. Now the G fund is that government security fund and it's basically designed so that you won't lose money. So if you put $1,000 into it this year, you are, you'll likely have, well, you will at least have $1,000 uh, 20 years from now, right? So, and you can see here, it was created in 1987. And since inception, it has an ROI or return on investment of 4.67%, all right? Now, the last three years, it's performed uh, an ROI of 1.7%. The last five years, it has an ROI of 0.09%. And the last 10 years, it has an ROI of 2.08%. Like I said, you can see it kind of hovers somewhere around 1.5% for, you know, over time. All right, so now let's look at the F fund. And the F fund is that fixed index, the uh, fixed index fund. And that F fund uh, was created in 1988. And since inception, it has an ROI of 5.35%. All right, the last three years, it has an ROI of 2.62%. In the last five years, it has an ROI of 0.10%. In the last 10 years, it has an ROI of 1.29%. All right, so now let's get into one of the most popular funds. It's the C fund. That's a common stock fund. Remember, it's based off the S&P 500. Now that was created, the C fund was created in 1988. And since inception, it's had a 10.3% ROI. Year to date, it has a negative 18.1% ROI. Now I know you're thinking like, well, why is this the most popular stock when it has a negative 
uh, percent. Well, the S&P 500 has higher dips. Uh, it has higher ups and downs. It's higher volatility. Excuse me, that's the correct term. It has a much higher volatility than the G fund and the F fund, uh, which is the government securities and the bonds fund for obvious reasons, right? Um, this is very, very much based off of how the economy is doing. So year to date, um, in 2022, we've had kind of a bad year, clearly, right? So negative 18.1% on the C fund um, year to date. For 2021, though, um, it has a 28.6% ROI. So that's a positive 26.6% ROI. And then 2020, 18.3%. And then 2019, 31.4% ROI, right? So you can see these large fluctuations. And that kind of leads into why the L fund, as you get closer to retirement, it becomes more and more conservative. You become more and more um, invested into the G and F fund because those are much more predictable over time than the C and the S fund. You just saw it there. The last three years have been up and down, right? So this year, negative 18% for the C fund, 2021, positive 28% ROI, 2022, positive 18% ROI, and 2019, positive 31% ROI. So um, that's that's the reason why the L fund is is set up the way it is, and it, it adjusts allocation the way it does. All right, so now let's get into the S fund. The S fund was uh, created in 2001. And since inception, it's it's returned a, an 8.3% ROI. Year to date is negative 26% ROI. Um, then we have uh, over the last three years, it's has an ROI of 3.0%. Uh, over the last five years, it has a 4.8% ROI. And over the last 10 years, it has a 9.7% ROI. But since inception, it has... Overall, collectively, it's had an 8.3% ROI. And then lastly, we get into the I fund. The I fund uh, was created in 2001 as well. And since inception, it has a 4.47% ROI. This year, it has a negative 13% ROI. Over the last three years, it has a 1.2% ROI. The last five years, a 1.9% ROI. And the last 10 years, a 4.9% ROI. All right. Now, if you're listening to this in podcast land and some of those numbers are, they seem a little weird, make sure you watch the YouTube video. I have the chart up kind of going over all of these. And then you can really, you know, pause and see it, how you look at the numbers, how you want. And hopefully that can help you create your own allocation if you're not already invested into the L fund or the life cycle fund. All right. And then again, if you want to see the returns of specific life cycle funds, you can always go to tsp.gov, click that link below, and you'll be directed to that. And you can see the, the different types of funds and how they performed at any given, uh, any given time. All right. So now that we know how those funds perform, what does this really even mean? And what does it look like if I start investing at, at any specific time throughout my career? Now, what I'm going to go over right now is I'm going to try to give you a good idea of what it looks like uh, if you start investing when you're 18 versus what it looks like if you start investing when you're 28 versus what it looks like if you start investing when you're 38. All right. So we got Private Joe Snuffy comes into the army. He's 18 years old and he starts investing $240 a month. 
right? Now, all these assume an 8% return. Um, basically, he, this person's either investing into the S fund or the C fund, right? So all these assume an 8% return. So we got private Joe Snuffy, 18 years old, invests $240 a month. At age 43, when he retires, he will have $228,000 in his TSP, right? Of that $228,000, he will only have invested $72,000 of $72,000 of his own money. And that's not really even his own money because part of that is matching, right? So really it's only a fraction of that $72,000. But $72,000 will be his total contribution. And then he of that $228,000, he will have made $156,000 of it earned from interest, right? So he invested $228,000. Uh, or he invested $240 a month since 18. He ended up with $228,000 when he leaves the service. Um, at age 60, when he's able to retire, remember, because you can't withdraw these funds without penalty or anything like that until you're 59 and a half. So at age 60, he will have $847,000 in, uh, in his TSP account. All right, so same, so almost the same scenario. Now we got 28-year-old. Um, we got 28 year old, uh, Lieutenant Fritz, right? So Lieutenant Fritz is 28 years old. She invests $480 a month into her account. That's double what private Snuffy invested, right? So Lieutenant, Lieutenant Fritz, um, invests $480 a month at 28 years old. When she goes to retire at 43, she will have $166,000 in her retirement account of that $166,000. 86 will have come from her own individual investments and then are from her individual plus her agency invest, uh, investments. And of that $166,000, 80 will have come from earned interest. All right. So at 43, she'll have $166,000. At age 60, when she can withdraw that those, those funds without penalty, she'll have $615,000. Now, Look at that. Just a 10-year difference. A 10-year difference makes that big of a difference, right? So Private Joe Snuffy started 18 um, and, and only invested $240 a month, but ended up with $840,000 in retirement. Uh, Lieutenant, Lieutenant Fritz, 10 years later, had to invest double the amount to get less than what Private Snuffy invested. Now, let's take it a step further. If you start investing when you're 38 years old, we got Sergeant Major so-and-so. Sergeant Major so-and-so is 38 years old. He starts investing uh, in his account, and he's investing $1,500 a month. When he retires at age 43, he'll have $110,000. And at age 60, he'll have $400,000. So, so Sergeant Major so-and-so invested like three times the amount of anyone else on this platform and ended up with much less than everyone. So this is kind of giving you an idea of the power of compound interest and what you want to be doing is investing early. If you're going to start investing, investing as early as possible, right? At least 5% because if you invest 5%, then you get the other 1% for agency matching and then you also get the other 4% for the... Um, for the other matching, you're going to get grand total of 10%, right? So you're only putting 5% of your own dollars in, but then you're getting 5% from uh, from the government. All right, so 
that is the example scenario. Now let's go over the pros and cons of the TSP. All right, so some of the pros of the TSP. Uh, the, the major one is the automatic contribution and the matching contribution. You are literally getting free money. All right, so if you invest 5%, at a minimum, if you're in the Blender retirement system, you should be investing at least 5% so that you can get another 5% for free. So that's literally free money while you're while you're inve while you're investing in your TSP. All right, another pro. We got the traditional deposits. So if you're investing in your traditional account, you are decreasing your taxable income, which may or may not put you in a lower tax bracket, right? Um, so any any funds that you put into the traditional account, any individual contributions that you contribute into the traditional account is 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 um, being deducted from your taxable income. And then on the Roth side, one of the pros is that when you're investing into the, the Roth, uh, the Roth side, you're getting tax free growth and tax free withdrawals. That, that's a pretty awesome thing. All right. So the other pro is low expense ratios. So the TSP is basically the government's equivalent of a 401k, right? The expense ratios for the TSP, all of them are, they basically hover around half a percent, 0.05 of a percent, right? In the 401k, if you go into the civilian side, most of those expense ratios hover between one and 2%. So they're like two to, two to four times more expensive to own. Now, and I know what you're thinking, 2%, who cares? 1%, who cares? That that plays a huge factor in your overall compounded growth um, when it's time for you to retire, right? A huge factor. I'm talking about hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, that, that because these expensive ratios are so low, you are saving, right? So low expense ratios. Uh, most TSPs, they hover around 0.05 or half a percent of those funds. All right, then the other pro is taking advantage of compound interest. Um, I went over that example just a second ago, and you can see the power of compound interest. The more time you have, the more time your money can grow and grow upon itself. So those are the pros of the TSP. Now let's go over, go over to the con side. Cons of the TSP are you can't withdraw without penalty until 59 and a half. Now there's certain circumstances in which you can, but for the most part, you can't withdraw you can't withdraw from your TSP um, without taking a penalty until you're 59 and a half. That means if you retire at 39, you have to wait 20 years, 20 and a half years before you can access those funds. Those funds are not liquid, right? So they're just sitting there, they're growing, that's all cool, but you have no access to those funds, right? Um, another con is your your there's heavy penalties for early withdrawal. You got 10% um in order to withdraw from those from those funds. Let's say you're 30, let's say you're 40, you separate from service. Um, or let's just say you know you do a four-year, you do a four-year term, you're in a blended retirement system, and let's say you need access to those funds for some reason. Well, you got to pay a 10% penalty if you access those funds. You can't take a loan out once you separate from your uh, once you separate from service. So you have no access to those funds without taking a penalty and paying taxes on those funds, right? So it's like a double whammy. If you don't if you don't wait until you're 59 and a half, you're going to pay taxes and you're going to take a 10% penalty, which 
may or may not like completely erode the value of your uh, of your portfolio. It might have been better just to invest into a after tax brokerage account. All right. So the next con is that the loans are limited and not very favorable. What I mean by that is they're limited. You can only take out a loan for two different reasons, a general purpose loan in which you got to pay back in five years or a residential loan in which you got to pay back in 15 years. Right. And then when I say they're not favorable in most cases, it's because of two reasons. One is because there's a huge opportunity cost in which you're missing out on ROI. And then two, there is a potential that you can be double taxed on the funds that you withdraw. So when I say that there's an opportunity cost, one, if you have funds in a, if you have money in, let's just say a C fund, right? And you're gaining 15% that year and you take the money out. Well, now you're not gaining 15% and you're only paying it back at the G fund rate. You're only putting that money back at the G fund rate. And that money is going back into the TSP account. So you're no longer gaining uh, any interest on your, you're no longer getting an ROI on that large lump sum of money that you, that you withdrew. Um, and you're putting it back into the traditional account at the G fund rate, meaning, you, you know, you, you're losing out on all that ROI, the difference of the, um, the G fund rate and whatever you would have been making in whatever fund you were in. Hopefully that makes sense. And then also, like I said, you're putting them funds back into your traditional account. When you put money into your traditional account, when you withdraw it, when it's time to withdraw funds from that traditional account, you have to pay taxes based on your marginal uh, tax rate. When you withdraw money for a loan, if you elected the Roth, the Roth contribution, you will likely withdraw money from your Roth side. It'll be withdrawn equally. So let's say I have $100,000 in both my Roth and my traditional, and I want to take a $50,000 loan out. Well, 25,000 of that dollar is going to come from the Roth side. $25,000 is going to come from the traditional side. Let's focus on the Roth side right now. So the $25,000 that I've contributed that I had contributed into that Roth side, I already paid taxes on when I put the money in. Now, I withdrew $25,000 from that Roth side and I have to pay it back into my traditional side. And we know, like I said, on the traditional side, you have to you have to pay money at your marginal tax rate, uh, rate when it's time to withdraw those funds. So basically you were taxed when you put the money in your Roth and then now you're going to be taxed because you're transitioning that those funds over into your traditional side and you have to pay taxes when you withdraw those funds. Hopefully that makes sense. But basically you can be double taxed. There's scenarios in which you can be double taxed on the same funds uh, when you take out a loan. All right, so the last column of the TSP is the required minimum distribution, otherwise known as RMDs. And what that means, if you haven't heard of it, is whatever money you have in your TSP account at the age of 72, for 2023 at least, at the age of 72, you are required to make withdrawals from that account, right? And the reason I, I think that's a con is because if, what if you don't want to withdraw any funds from that from those accounts? What if you, you've already made enough passive income in other places um, that you don't need to take money out of your TSP account. Well, too bad. If you're 72, you have to start taking out uh, a required distributions based off of your life expectancy. So the government is going to require that you start withdrawing those funds based off of your life expectancy. Um, and when you withdraw those funds, if you have any money in the traditional, well, then you're automatically going to be forced to pay taxes on those on those. Uh, on those distributions. 
All right, so I think that's a major con because again, just you have no flexibility of your TSP. You have no really say so. It's very, very heavily uh, government government mandated as far as what you what you can and can't do. Those restrictions there, and then also another uh, con that I didn't mention here is uh, you don't know what the government's going to do. All right, so the government can decide that the tax the marginal tax brackets increase crazy instead of like being 22% or 37%, it could go back to, you know, 40% or 50%. Well, now if you have funds in the traditional, um, traditional account, now you're, you're really screwed. Right. And then also, um, if you, they could do away with the Roth, that's already been talked about a lot because the Roth is, uh, so tax advantageous that, um, some are saying that, the Roth may may not be a lot around for that long, right? So these are some of the cons um, of the TSP. And if they do away with the Roth and you're invested and you're separated from service and you have funds in your TSP, well, too bad for you because if you want to access those funds before you're 59 and a half, then you have to um, take a penalty and then you also have to pay the taxes on whatever the marginal tax rate is at that time. All right, so that wraps up the TSP video. Thanks for sticking along if you stayed with me for this long. Um, if you can, do me a favor. Um, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, hit the share button. Uh, share this with us with other service members that might find this useful. If you're listening to this on podcast, please leave us a review. We would really, really appreciate that. Uh, we're lacking on reviews on Spotify. Uh, we have some on Apple that's that's cool, but we'll really appreciate it if you go over to Spotify and leave us a review. That's going to help the algorithm and help help this information get it put out to more people. So we'd really, really, really appreciate that. Um, other than that, this is Dan Wynn signing off.